This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the mom room. Take off your shoes and use your inside voices. And please enjoy some of this delicious Swiss water because that's all I'm drinking from now on. When I got home last night and had a glass of water, I almost spit it out. I could not believe it tastes like chlorine. And we even have one of those filters. Like we have a specific spout on our kitchen sink that dispenses filtered water. It tasted like chlorine. I can't believe it. I googled Swiss Water Canada, but apparently there is a coffee brand that's called Swiss Water, so that's the only thing that was coming up. But I am going to go to Costco or somewhere. Like, somewhere has to sell Swiss Water. Anyways, none of us are jet-lagged, which is wild. The way the flights worked on our way there and on the way back was perfect. Milo ended up going to bed at his regular time last night, slept all night, woke up at his regular time because I honestly think him staying up really late in Switzerland, like he was going to bed some nights at like midnight, really helped with the time change because he was really just two hours off from his usual bedtime. So he didn't even sleep on the plane last night, even though we technically got back to Canada at like one in the morning Swiss time. He was wide awake and then he fell asleep in the car on the way home. And then as soon as we got home, he went to bed and it was like 7.30, 8 o'clock. Slept all night. It was perfect. So he went to school this morning. It's his last day of school. Ugh, it makes me so sad because I know that he's not going back to that school and he keeps asking me, like, he doesn't understand the concept of last day of school. And he's like, but am I going back to school, like, another day? And I'm like, yeah, after the summertime. And I haven't brought up the fact that, like, you know, you're not going to be going back to that specific school because I don't want to ruin his last day or make him upset. I don't know how he's going to take that news. But anyways, we're moving in about a week. I'm planning on packing up the car and going to my mom's house for a while while the movers come and pack up everything and move everything. Even though I did kind of want to be here the day that we get the keys to the house because I wanted to do a super deep clean, but I just don't think that's going to happen. So maybe I'll have to do it when we actually move in. So Okay, enough talking, Renee. Let's get to today's episode. So today I'm speaking with Jimmy on relationships. And you probably follow him on Instagram and on TikTok because I swear every day, multiple times a day, you guys are sending me his reels. And I'm like, I know, I know. It's the same with Michael Vaughn, World Shaker. You guys are constantly sending me his videos too. And I'm like, I know, like I follow him. I love Jimmy's content. I was surprised to hear in this episode that he actually had an affair in his marriage, and that is kind of what started his journey of like learning about relationships and how to be a better husband and a better partner and a better father. I was shocked to hear that. I was not expecting that. We did have major technical issues on this recording, but we persevered and we are going to try and put it together in a coherent way and hopefully it's not that noticeable. But if it does sound like we, like maybe we restarted talking about a topic, that's why, because we kept losing connection and then we would come back on and just try and pick up from where we were. It only happened like four times, but still, it was really, 
irritating, but like I said, we persevered and we made it happen. So without further ado, please welcome Jimmy on relationships to the mom room. I looked at your Instagram bio and I love your bio you have. It says, I'm not a counselor, not a coach, just a husband and father who wants to learn what love requires of me. So my first question is, how and when and why did you get into social media? You said you've been doing it for about a year now. Yeah. So, well, it's a, it's a little bit of a tragic story, so I'll, I'll make it short, but I'll, but I'll try to tell you all the details. So, unfortunately, earlier in my marriage, I had an affair. So, I sexually betrayed my wife. And this was before kids? No, this was just shortly after kids. And so, we've been married for 10 years. We have four kids under in nine. So, so when that happened, that was obviously like an atomic bomb to the marriage as it, as it should be. And so she decided that she was going to give me another chance that I didn't deserve. And I went deep into how do I make this right? How do I figure out why this happened? Because I didn't want to lose my family. And, and, and so many people are in that spot where they just do, I'm not going to say they do stupid things. Like I'm not going to brush it off as, as like, it was, oh, I didn't know. Like, no, you knew what you were doing was terrible. But sometimes there's reasons why we do those things. And sometimes we're hiding it deep within ourselves. So that was the beginning of a, a self-reflection journey where I decided I need to figure out what's going on with me because affairs happen for a reason. Cheating happens. There's a reason why people do the things that they do. And so I decided I'm going to figure out why this happened. And then I'm also going to figure out how to fix it. If it's, if it, if this can be fixed, I'm going to figure out a way to fix this. And so that was the start of a, of a, of a self-reflection journey and a trust rebuilding journey. And once I got into that, I just realized, I mean, it just became more and more fascinating to me. I realized relationships are so important in our life and, and, and it's so quickly we can, especially when kids come along and we got work and kids and stress and in-laws and all this other stuff. Just life happens and we so quickly put our relationship on the back burner. We just don't give it the importance. You know, we don't give it the credit that it deserves. And when we neglect it, even unintentionally, I mean, it falls up, it can fall apart quick. I mean, if you're not on top of it, just like anything in life, you will slowly drift away from each other if you're not intentionally taking steps towards each other. So the more I learned, the more I was just fascinated with relationships in general. Why do they fail? Why do they stay together? Is it just chance? Is it just because everybody that's in a bad relationship at some point they've thought, I just picked, I'm just with the wrong person. Like clearly I thought this was the right person. X, Y, and Z happened. And now I'm just, I must've just picked wrong, you know? And so it's fascinating to me to really dive into that world and figure out what's actually going on underneath the surface. What, what are the, what are the major roadblocks in, in most relationships where one or both people just can't see the forest through the trees, I guess is a good way to say it. So anyways, that that started a long journey of, of learning about relationships. And so like I said in the bio, I love the way that that, like, what does love require of us? Because like, we could all say that we love our partners, but like, what does that actually, what does that actually require of us? Because love isn't just a feeling, you know, the feeling can just change like with circumstances. So what does that, what does, what does love actually demand from us? And, and a lot of times it's things that are difficult, like selflessness and, and consideration and humility and curiosity and validation and empathy and all these things. And, and so not to bore you, but then once we get into that, it's like, okay, but is everyone capable of those things? Like, what are, what are the big roadblocks that get in the way? Cause not everyone's capable of empathy or a lot of people struggle with vulnerability. Why, why are they struggling with this? You know? So I struggled with those too. We, we all can, we all can struggle with those things, but we have to be at least cognizant of how they're affecting our relationships. So that's now what I'm passionate about. Did you guys go to therapy, or did you do everything? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I was. That's what I was yeah. wondering. After a after a big betrayal like that, I would I would encourage everybody to go to therapy. I did not, if I'm being honest, I didn't learn even a you know a small percentage of what I learned from therapy. Therapy was to get us over the hump, to get us into the correct mindset to, to, to stop the bleeding if you want, if you will. But I mean, I just tried to read as many books as I could, which is difficult with four kids, four kids, but I just tried to read and I read, I read 
and still read whenever I can. I try to just so I can learn more and maybe try to help other people in any way that I can. Do you think, because as you were telling that story, I was thinking about how easy it is to put our romantic relationships aside and just give everything we have to everything else going on. Like you said, children, other responsibilities, work. Do you think that is what happened in your specific situation? Like, would you say there was problems in the relationship prior to kids or was that kind of like a a catalyst and like a stressor on the relationship? Because it is for many people. It is. It's, it's, it was both. So I'll answer your question in the longest way possible, Renee. So John, John Gottman did a study. Anyone who does, anyone who learns about relationships or studies relationships knows the name John Gottman. So he's one of the godfathers of, of relational research. He did a study and he concluded that kids, especially that first kid, but especially the first two kids, have the potential to just, the marital satisfaction like drops off a cliff during those first years where you're having those first couple kids. And there's multiple reasons for that. It's not just the stress of the children. And it's because if there's underlying problems in the relationship, which there were for my wife and I, we were not good at conflict resolution. We were not good at just overall vulnerability where both people can come to each other and be like, hey, so when this happened, it's me, you know, I just, I just feel, just feel distant from you. Or that made me feel disrespected. We weren't good at that. We were good at either not talking about it or one person just feeling like, I'm just not, I'm, I don't feel comfortable to share, or maybe I can just bury these feelings. Or if one person did share, then we will, we, one of us would just invalidate the other. Like, this isn't a big deal. You're making too big of a deal of this. Those are relational killers. And People don't realize how detrimental those are to their relationships until you can work through this when you're, when you don't have kids, it's a little bit easier because the positives usually outweigh the negatives. There's not as much stress. As soon as kids come into the picture, now you're entering into a stressful, it's almost like a wartime environment where your stress levels are higher, everything, you're just more exhausted and imagine that environment. And now you tack on all those underlying problems that you had in the marriage it's a disaster in the making. You were you were always headed for that direction. All you needed was a little bit of exhaustion and a little bit of stress. You didn't know how to resolve conflicts when things were good and not stressful. Imagine now. So so this is when people just throw in the towel because they're like this is this is too much and it is. It was but you were always on that trajectory. You just didn't understand how unhealthy your relationship was before. Most I feel like I'm not a therapist, but most people I make it a passion to study relationships. And from what I've seen, the vast majority of people have superficial, shallow relationships and don't even realize it. And it's usually due to at least one person being intimacy or vulnerability averse. They're just, they're not comfortable with it. They don't want to deal with it. It triggers something in them, whether that be shame or just feeling like I'm going to mess this up if I or just a fear of it. If I'm vulnerable with somebody, I mean, think about just the word vulnerable. When you're vulnerable with someone, that means you're vulnerable to attack. You're vulnerable. I'm putting myself out there. I'm opening up my heart. And if somebody figuratively squashes it with invalidation or dismissing your feelings or defensiveness, I didn't do that. I didn't say that gaslighting, whatever, whatever it is, it's only natural for you to want to close back up. I don't want to open my heart up to you because you're not a safe place. When you don't have that safety in your relationships, that is the seed that will eventually grow into dissatisfaction and distance and disconnection. And that is the beginning of, in the end, you will say, well, I just married the wrong person. But it wasn't, it was, it was a thousand little moments along the way that planted those seeds in you that now are growing fruit, which is just, I can't stand this person. I hate this person. So Anyways, not to get so dark on you. When people think about a relationship, like, oh, our relationship is not good. I think oftentimes we think about like there's major conflict, like we're fighting. So I think it's hard for people to understand that not opening up to each other, not being vulnerable, just kind of like two ships passing in the night, like that's also not a good relationship and it could be so much better 
But I think it's easier for people when there's not like these major issues like conflict and fighting and stuff to just kind of days pass, like days pass, weeks, months, years, and you don't have a fulfilling relationship like you could. But like you were saying, usually one person is averse to like being vulnerable. And when you were saying to be vulnerable, what I was thinking of is like a dog that lays on their back, you know, and like someone could attack them. Like that's exactly like a perfect image. If one person in the relationship is that way, do we recommend that both people go to therapy? Like how do we resolve that like when one person like I know in our relationship like I think about this stuff all the time like that's what I do for a living I have a PhD in psychology I'm very much the opposite of being averse to vulnerability but my husband is the opposite it's like how do you pull it out of the other person that's a great question you you hit the nail on the head in the last sentence and that's the question I get constantly how do I pull it out of the other person so And this is part of the problem with anxious attachment, codependency, and people-pleasing is we can so easily default to how can I control this situation to where they, because we think that we're, we think that end justifies the means. We think all we really want is connection and closeness. We want intimacy. We want them to open up to us. And if they just did that, they would see that it's in their benefit to do it. I mean, they want this too. They want, especially if it's a male, usually they want some more, they want something from us. They want us to be more friendly. They want us to be, I mean, I'm speaking as the proverbial woman. I don't mean to speak for you, but they want something like in the relationship as well. They want companionship. They want something. So we think that, oh, well, we're just helping them get that. But in reality, we could hurt them because we can't force anyone to do anything. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Have you heard of the couples therapist, Terry Real? He said this quote that has always stuck with me, and it was how women nowadays, and this is for heterosexual couples, women nowadays are demanding so much more like emotional availability from their male partners. But for the most part, men are not socialized and like they lack the tools, the language, the ability to give women what they want. Would you agree with that? For the most part, I would agree that so many men lack the tools to actually have a healthy, successful relationship. I think that so many men are taught and conditioned and programmed by their fathers and uncles and friends that vulnerability equals weakness. Feelings are for girls, except for anger. You're allowed to feel that one. And that's why we default to it so often because it's our only... So you'll rarely hear a man say, I feel something other than anger or horny. You know, like there's, 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 there's just not, they don't, they don't know, they don't have a language of feelings. So, but I think that they're just not taught that, I mean, they're essentially not taught empathy and consideration. Like they're taught, if you look weak, then you need to, you, you need to defend yourself. You need to, you need to do anything you can to make sure, to make sure that you're not the bad guy. You're not the failure. So that's why so often when they're, even someone that they love comes to them and says, Hey, like, when you made fun of me at the party, it made me feel disrespected or it made me feel, you know, abandoned. They can't even think about what you're saying because it's it's immediately, oh, we're playing who's the bad guy and I don't want to be the bad guy. So like, no, 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 you, you just you just misunderstood me. No, I was just joking. I was just joking. And the other person says, it doesn't matter if you were joking. I, it's, I'm telling you it hurts my feelings. And they're like, well, no, that's, no, you just need to like, you just need to lighten up. You know, it's, this is a you problem. See, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy here. And it's all of that shame being triggered. It's all of that. You're calling me a failure. And the person's like, I'm not calling you a failure. Like, I'm just trying to connect with you. I'm just trying to like express myself. Is this a safe place for me to tell you that I, that something that you did unintentionally hurt my feelings? And so many men are taught, they're not taught that like, you need to be a safe place for the person that you love to be able to tell you how they feel. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody is just negative all the time and like that, that it's okay if we're just like berating our partner with criticisms, like you're, you're not getting it right. You're not good. But I just don't feel like that's the majority of cases. I don't feel like most people are, you know, out there to, to call you a failure. They're, they're essentially just telling you how they feel. The problem comes in is when you dismiss them, when you invalidate them, when you're not a safe place for them, then like we said earlier, that disconnection and distance grows. I'm not comfortable with this level of, I don't feel like we have safety. I'm not feel. I feel like I need to close back up and not be vulnerable. So then when something happens again, we just get more mad and we escalate because we're not, we're not feeling heard. So what do we do when we're not feeling heard by someone that we love? Well, we talk louder or we, or we poke at them harder. Hey, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. And what does that do? Well, that triggers their shame even stronger. And so that's how we get into a dance of nobody really knows how the other person is feeling. And, you know, if you're the people pleaser, it's not just, it's not your job to always be on the lookout for like managing their emotions. You don't need to worry about always, did I say the right, how do I say the right words so that they won't disrespect me? No, it's not your job. Like if they're consistently disrespecting you, that's a problem, you know? If they're consistently invalidating you, that's a problem. That's not a you problem. That's a that's a them problem. And and I don't want to make my channel all about calling men out, but I do want I do want to like warn them. I'm not saying that you're the problem and that women don't have things to work on, but like here are some things that I want you to be working on, regardless of whether, because that's what I get. I get a lot of complaints like, well, this goes both ways. Or how come how come you're not telling her to work on things? One, I do tell her to work on things in other videos. You just happen to see this video where I'm talking to you specifically. And two, you can work on stuff for you and be a better you regardless of them. You don't need to, you don't need to look over, well, what are they doing? No, you can learn how to, you know, show up in your relationships. You can empathize. You can learn to empathize and validate. You don't need to wait on her to get be a better you. So I feel like resentment plays into this a lot as well. And 
I remember you had a video telling men like you're not just a paycheck and how people get really triggered. So are the majority of your followers women? Yeah, because most because men are on men aren't looking up relationship advice. <laughs> if they stumble upon it, it's by accident or because their wife sent it to them or their girlfriend sent it to them, which is another trigger because what man wants to be sent a video? Hey, here you go. This guy gets it. Why can't you be more like him? What man is going to respond well to that? So that's why I encourage a lot of people in my videos, like, if you're thinking about sending this to him, just be careful. Like, if he, if you think he's going to respond in a negative way, then that's an emotional safety issue. If you don't think you can go to him and have a calm conversation, if this is your resort, like, well, he doesn't listen to me, so I'm going to send him your video. Well, that's not going to work. I can promise you that's just going to end in him feeling triggered once again. So I should probably say that counseling helps so much because when you get into counseling and you're sitting in front of somebody who can hold you both accountable, once you start these fights, this dance that I'm talking about, once you go round and round in this dance, the counselor should stop you and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to the very beginning statement. She said this, or he said this. Let's dissect that statement right there. What was the intent behind that statement? What did you hope would happen and what actually happened? And all of a sudden, once you start dissecting these things and the intention behind them, what was the feeling behind them, you start to see like, oh, okay, so uh, okay, so when I, when I, what I said was actually invalidating you, and I didn't actually, I can understand how you could see that I, or you, you could feel that I wasn't really paying attention to your feelings. I wasn't really seeing your perspective in all this. I was so scared that you were calling me a failure that I had to defend myself. But I can see now that that just left you feeling more unheard and alone. And once you start doing that and the counselor really shows you the shows you the chest pieces, you start to see that like, oh, this is just the same dance that we get caught in. We're not really arguing about, it's not really about the dishes, is it? It's about that you feel alone and you feel neglected. And whether or not I want to concede, I, I tell men all the time, even if you don't feel like you're neglecting her, the fact that she feels neglected should still matter to you because you're in a partnership. Like you're equals in this partnership. So she says, I feel neglected you should still care about that. I mean, that's her feelings are valid, even if you don't agree with them. So, and if you want something out of this partnership, like love and companionship and intimacy, closeness, then caring about someone's feelings is actually the literal bare minimum. So I want to help men. I don't want to shame them by saying, I don't think you know how to do that because you get so triggered. And that's normal because of what you've gone through. It's normal for you to have these triggers and these fears and these, I just don't know how to manage this. But if you listen, I really, I just want to help you manage this without calling you the problem. It always fascinates me how some men see even content that I make and their comment is like, oh, wow, I've never thought about it that way. Like, I'm going to start looking at my wife differently or like they approach it with that. Versus others who are just like immediately like shut it down. So it always fascinates me how there's such a divide between how people receive this kind of content. How people receive constructive criticism is probably a massive tell. If I could, if I could give one piece of dating advice, how do they receive constructive criticism or feedback? You know, because criticism has obviously has a negative connotation. How do they, how do they receive constructive feedback? Because that that will tell you a lot about a person, but you're right. And I get and I get wonderful emails from from men saying, "I didn't take this in a negative way. I didn't feel like you were attacking me. Like, I don't want." They say, "You know what? A lot of the things that you're saying, my wife ha- or my wife or girlfriend has said the exact same thing. And hearing it from your mouth, and the things that you've gone through, and that you, I, I realize that you're just trying to like protect my relationship. Like, I'm more open." to like hearing her now. And it's sad that it has to be that way because a lot of women say, that's why a lot of women like my content because they're like, well, if a man is saying this, maybe my man will listen to Yeah, it's to him, validating you know? what they're It's very validating. Feeling, totally. But I also but I also get trapped because a lot, obviously a lot of women take it as ammunition in a way. They're like, oh, I'm not the problem. I'm not at all the problem. It's him, he's the problem. So I'm going to send him these videos and I'm going to hit him over the head with these videos. And it's like, oftentimes playing the who's the problem game is not helpful. Like the more helpful thing is to say, we are stuck in a dynamic here and it's not working for me. Is it working for you? Do you like the fact that we're fighting all the time? Because even if you don't mind it, you should mind that I mind it. 
And and that's the point where people pleasers and anxious attachment and codependence they have to learn assertiveness. Is that difficult? Yeah, absolutely. When you ha- when you 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 your own have fears that you know you have fears of being abandoned or you have fears of being alone or you have fears that he might leave you or she might leave you. The problem is is that they're supposed to leave you. Like this relationship is unhealthy. One of you is supposed to be leaving the other, but you don't because you can't. So coming at it from that perspective of like this dynamic that we have is not working. So let's go and talk to a professional about it. And that's when they can help break down, hopefully, if you have a good counselor. Or just read some good books. Read Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. Read Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by Gottman. Like, Yeah, I love Sue Johnson's stuff. It's so fascinating. She was a professor at my, like, where I did my PhD. She was. Is that right? Yeah, University of Ottawa. Anywho, so the reason I came across your profile, I made this TikTok and shared it to Instagram also, and it was about how the commute home from work is a time to decompress. Like compared to being home all day taking care of little children, a commute is like luxury vacation. Like I look forward to driving, putting in a podcast, like chilling. And so people kept sending me your reel in my DMs because you talked about that as well. And I was like shocked that somebody else talked about that because it's such like a a small little niche thing yeah. to consider. That all moms, that all stay-at-home parents understand. Yes. And so, and people like lost their damn minds when I put that out because they were like, are you kidding me? A commute is a break. And I was like, listen, if you don't consider a commute a break, consider yourself lucky because some people do consider that a break when you're home with little kids. So where did that come from for you? And like, what are your thoughts on that? So, okay. So I'm going to forget everything that I want to say because I'm just too excited. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here, so I get those messages too. When I post that, it got back a video, got a lot of backlash, obviously, because once again, primarily the male audience felt like I was attacking them. Like I, once again, I'm attacking you and now I'm attacking your drive home for, for all things. So here's the thing. Anybody that says that a, com- a commute is not a break, anyone who says that, I can promise you you're not the default parent at, at home with the kids or on the weekends or whenever. You are not the default parent. I promise you that much because, because the default parent would 100% consider that a break. I made another video. This is just a side tangent on how a shower is a break. And <laughs> women <laughs> lost their minds because... And rightfully so, because they're in relationships where they don't feel like they get a break at all. They're like, a shower is not a break. Like, it's a basic human necessity. And I was like, you're absolutely right that it's a basic. You should obviously be able to shower. You shouldn't have a partner that, like, you can't even rely on your partner to watch the children while you go shower. But really, it is a break because, like, you deserve that break away from a shower is. Okay, so this will make a little bit more sense in a second. So about a year ago, I took over as stay-at-home parent. My wife got a great job opportunity. I'm a nurse, normally, not right now, but I'm a nurse and I quit my job and she, she's a PA and she does heart surgery and she was she's making great money. Great for her. I took over as the stay-at-home parent. So I am like, I go from working parent to stay-at-home default parent where everything is now, it's a different world. So any any man that's watching, you know, the two men that are watching, if you, if you're, if you're, if your partner was the stay-at-home parent before, and and you're the, or or if your partner's the stay-at-home parent now, and you're the working parent, you should step into those shoes just for a, a short time because it'll open your eyes to the world that they have been living in, where they don't even feel like they can take a shower without. So, like I said before, I have four kids under nine, and now I am the stay-at-home parent. I'm the default parent. I'm the one making the lunches. I'm the one doing the dishes. I'm the one clean as good as I can, but. You know, I do have my limitations, but I'm doing, you know, we have at the time he was two year old. Now he's three year old. But, you know, the world that that is where it's just like they're constantly once they know how to open doors, there's, you know, they're running outside and it's complete chaos. I mean, it's complete and utter chaos. So I wanted to make that video because I'm like, I get a lot of messages from people saying like that the working parent comes home and wants to take a break. I don't want to say it's men, but it's mostly men, because I've never heard of a woman that's working that comes home and is like, well, I need a 30 minute break now to decompress and, you know, pour me a bourbon because I'm going to go in my study and watch the news. You can make, you just continue making dinner and, you know, with the baby on your hip. So I wanted to make that video just to validate and say like, 
we as men, like, let, we can't do that. We can never, it's, this is not 1940 anymore. Do like, do not come home and need a decompression time. Your drive home was the decompression time. That was 30 minutes. You didn't have any babies cr- crawling at you. You didn't have people screaming at you. You weren't handing out any snacks and you didn't have to make dinner. So like, that is a decompression time. And obviously people were like, no, like traffic is terrible. I'm like, I could not, you, you're in a different world. Like I'm not even, I can't even argue with you because you don't even understand what it's like to be at home with the kids going crazy, screaming at you while you're trying to make dinner, while you're trying to get ready for the other, like we're, we can't even have this argument because we're, because you won't understand what I'm talking about until you live that. And then you're like, I need to get out of here, wherever else besides here is a break. If the kids aren't around me, I don't care what I'm doing. I will literally just, I will be, I will, I'd sit in traffic some days. Like I, anyway, so I'm going, I'm cl- clearly going off on a tangent, but the drive home is a break. I don't care. <laughs> you can be wrong if you want to, but the drive home is a break. <laughs> I know people used to lose their minds because during quarantine, I was very much so the default parent at home with an 18 month old. My husband's a physician. So he was working his regular job during COVID. And that's when I started to really understand what it feels like to be a stay-at-home parent to small children. And my mind was blown. And so that's why I started talking about all these things. But one of the things was on weekends, I would finally be like, yes, like my husband is home all weekend. Like my life is going to change. But then at the weekend, like a Saturday would come and he would make a big breakfast Saturday morning. So now I'm still watching Milo all morning. Then he would clean up the breakfast. He would like go organize recycling in the garage. Then he would cut the grass. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, At what point are you going to take this child from Exactly. Like I, and so. And they're like, what? But when I started making TikToks about that. Of course, people get so defensive and they're like, well, are you going to go cut the grass? And I was like, you know what? I did go cut the grass because that, that, like, I need a break from my job, which is childcare. You know what I mean? And, but people don't understand that part of it. Like, default parents, stay-at-home parents want a break from their job. Their job is 24-7. It's nonstop. Yes. I mean, it's, it's. Yeah, it's just not something that the working parent sometimes, especially if it's the man that we talked about earlier, like the tools and just not really understanding how to get involved in other people's worlds. And that's what I and that's what I hope to I just want them to I don't want them to feel like I'm calling them wrong, but like I just want you to get involved in her world. And understand like, it. Yeah. And, and like understand my it. husband was shocked. I was like, can you not make pancakes Saturday morning? Can you not go cut the grass? Can you not do laundry? And he was like, wait a minute. You don't want me to do those things because to him, he feels like he's being productive. And that's exactly what's happening. And and that's why I say, obviously, of course, I want both partners to get into each other's worlds because we shouldn't chastise them right away. Like they just don't understand the situation per se. It's I don't think everything is weaponized incompetence. Like like every like TikTok would make you believe, you know, there's so many people that are so angry. They're just looking. And of course, they've been mistreated. And I get that. But like not everything is weaponized incompetence. Sometimes your husband wasn't doing anything to intentionally harm you or neglect you. He just didn't really realize that like that his world, like he needs to step into a new role where it's like, I'm going to like, I, I'm now with her in this. It's not just separate anymore. It's to, now we're together. And I talk a lot about that, about how when it comes to the dishes and the laundry and the, like the, especially watching the kids, like these are all issues that have to do with trust. Like when you, even if you unintentionally just don't prioritize those things and you're like, well, I'm not, I don't really think about that stuff. That really hurts the relationship from a standpoint of trust because that person feels like they can't rely on you. And, and, that, and that always hurts things. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. 
And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And I also feel sometimes it's difficult for moms to express to their partners that they would like a break from childcare because there's like guilt involved with it. And so many people say, when I, when I get that break, I, first I have to guilt trip him into giving me a break, you know, cause he pushes back. And then I have to like, be like, I have to essentially beg for a break. And then as soon as I get the break, then we run into multiple different problems where He's not taking care. He's not really taking care of the kids like he should. He's not really watching the three-year-old. The three-year-old's at the neighbor's house two years, two doors down. And you come home and you're like, where, where is he? You know, like, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, I think he's around. And, and so that obviously opens up a, where now you don't want to take a break in the future because you're like, I can't trust you. Like, I can't trust you with your own kids. You called me five minutes after I left to say, what, what are, what are they going to eat? Or they're hungry or like. No, like you're their parent too. You have to step up and be a parent with me. Like, and I get it that there's a learning curve, but at the but at the same time, like, like come on, like you're with you're are you with me in this or not? Like I'm not, I'm not in charge of feeding them. Like you're home too. Yeah, I always say like if you can't just up and leave for a few days, absolutely, there is a problem. Like I can up and leave. I went to L.A. ten days. My husband works full time did everything like and so it's funny because next week I'm supposed to go on this morning show in Toronto to talk about default parenting and so they were asking me a little bit about it almost like to give like a definition and things that I wanted to talk about and one of the things was how do families fall into that dynamic and how to prevent your family from falling into this dynamic where one parent is like default childcare. And I was thinking about how we have done things with our son. And like from day one, my husband has been so involved with everything. We have done everything together, like meal times, prepping meals, bath time, bedtime routine. Like it has been like that since day one. And I think what happens is a lot of the times it's the mom that takes maternity leave. And so she is so used to doing childcare for, well, in in Canada, we do maternity leave, (laughs) but like even in the States, like you're going to be home for the first few weeks with the child. And so it's easier for them when their partner comes home from work now to just, oh, like I'll just do it. And then it snowballs and it like continues. And like, what would your advice be to people who are listening, who are maybe expecting their first child or are in the default parent dynamic, like how to get out of that? 
So there's a book, there's a good book. I've never, I haven't read it yet, but I, but I have, I've been doing this long enough to where people have recommended this book over and over and over. So it has to be an amazing book. It's called Fair Play. Yes, I'm sure you've heard yes, of it. Yes, of course. So if you're in that dynamic, obviously read that book. But at the heart of that book, I haven't read it. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about the book per se. I'm just talking about at the heart of that book has to be, there are things that need to get done. We can all agree that there's things that need to get done. We can also agree that not everything is clearly one person usually feels like I'm taking on too much. So like now we're back to having a healthy conversation. Can we actually have a healthy conversation about divvying up the mutual chores? What is my responsibility? What is your responsibility? And what are like mutual things? Like if there's dishes in the sink, we both do those. That's a mutual chore. If if you see a dish in the sink, wash a dish. It's not like I don't need to take on the dishes unless you are traditional, unless you're like, no, I, I do the dishes. I don't let my man touch the dishes. That's great. Do whatever you want. Like it all just stems from do you feel unappreciated or neglected in a certain area? But it obviously comes back to having a safe conversation about delegating tasks. I mean, which you should be able to do. We, the reason we don't have those is because there's some sort of, we take on too much. We have, a, we have a propensity to just take on too much, to sweep our needs under the rug. Like, ah, maybe I'm just being too overbearing. We start to feel neglected. We feel like they don't give a crap about like, how come they can't wash a dish? But then... We don't go to them vulnerably and say, listen, when you don't wash, like, I feel like I'm the only one washing the dishes. Do you feel like I'm the only one washing the dishes? Like, how can we work together on this? Because it's really making me feel like abandoned in this relationship. It makes me feel like my time isn't as valuable as yours. You don't, I know you don't care about the dishes, but I'm telling you, I really care about the dishes. And it goes a long way. If you can, if you see a dish in the sink, do the dishes. Like, there's a good book by Matthew Frey, This Is How Your Marriage Ends. And he has a blog too. And, and that was his main thing. It's like, he's like, I don't care about the stupid dishes. So why, why should I care about that? And he said, over time, it's, it's those little things that add up in the relationship where it's like, I don't care about this. So I'm not going to care about this. And eventually that just leads to distance and disconnection over, you know, you add those up over, it's a death by a thousand paper cuts, as he says. Anyway, so those things all go back to the main point of like, can I actually rely on my partner? Can I trust my partner? Yeah. And I remember reading one of your captions and it said something about how like, it's not a competition of who had the most stressful day. It's being able to open up to your partner and be like, you know what? Like when you come home from work, I'd really appreciate it if you came and like sat down with us for a little bit before you start. And then we can decide like as a couple, like who's going to make dinner, who's going to, you know, get stuff ready for school the next day. Like, it's being able to verbalize your needs, but also like having compassion for the other person. And if my husband's like, oh, I had a terrible day, like, okay, like I'm willing to take over some things this evening to make his life easier. Or like he really cares about not having dishes in the sink when he gets home. So when I have time, I try and make an effort to make sure the dishes are away. And like, he knows that I care about certain things. So he'll try to, it's like, if you don't have that mentality in your relationship you're not helping each other out it's not like a team it's like you're combative instead it all just comes down to mutual respect and consideration if 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 one person cares about something i just feel like we should we should care about that that doesn't mean it's about right and wrong like it's not like i said in the beginning it's not really about the dishes per se sometimes it is about this just do the freaking dishes other times it's about that person. The dishes are a symbol of like, they don't, they don't feel like you care about them. Mm -hmm. it's or not their long, time or their, or their time. Yeah. And the problem that I see over and over is usually women that say, yeah, but I can't, he doesn't, but he doesn't care. When I sit down and I tell him about it, he doesn't care. And I'm like, what you just described, you're essentially admitting that this relationship can't work because there's certain things that a relationship needs. Mutual respect and mutual consideration is one of them. If you don't have that, you don't actually have a partnership or you won't for long because like, what do you have? I mean, you can, two people can live together. Sure. But like, if you actually want closeness and intimacy and friendship and a great sex life, well, unfortunately, like my bio, that requires things of you. And that's what, that's what stuck in my brain. Like, well, what does love require of me? You know, and it sent me on that journey of like all this stuff that I'm learning, like love requires things. It's not easy. It's not, it's not designed to be easy. It's kind of like a reap what you sow situation. Like you don't get a great crop unless you plant some great seed, you know? Okay, this was a 
We had technical difficulties, but we made it through. But obviously, you have to come back on, you know, maybe over the summer in September. We'll do another yeah. one because this was great. Before you go. I hope it wasn't too dark. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Anyone, I love you know. this. We're all about like honest, real yeah. life conversations here. So it's yeah. actually perfect. Where can people find you online and tell us about your podcast that you started? Is it out already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Ricky and Jimmy on Relationships. I teamed up with my good friend, Ricky Close. She wrote a book called The Anxious Hearts Guide. And it's on Apple and Spotify. We're like 10 episodes in, but we really enjoy just chit-chatting about relationships. And then I'm Jimmy on Relationships pretty much anywhere people watch you know, TikTok and YouTube and stuff. What's your plans for you're just going to be like content creator? Like, do you have any like goals, dreams? So I do have dreams, but unfortunately, so now that I'm in this stay-at-home parent role, anyone who is a stay-at-home parent knows how much free time they have. So (laughs) I have an extremely limited amount of free time. So I try to write as many videos as I can, and then I have to film those videos and edit them and all that other stuff. So right now, I'm just so excited to get this opportunity to just to be this little influence. And I've been so blessed so far, my following has grown and I just don't have any free time. So I'm really excited for when my kids get old enough to where they start school, and then I can just go full time content creator. But right now it's it's right now my right now my job is default parenting and and anyone everyone knows how how stressful that can be. So but it makes for great ideas for content, right? It does make for great ideas. I don't know if men would agree, but it makes for great ideas. (laughs) It's wonderful to get into the mind of so many, most, not most women, but so many women are, are the default parent and the stay-at-home parent. And I think that's why my content tends to be a little bit more validating because it's like, oh, wait, a man stepped into that role. And now he's realizing like, wait, so this is really hard. Has anybody been talking about how hard this yeah, is? Yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> you always see men comment on TikTok when it's videos that address these kinds of topics. You see the comments of, oh, yeah, like I was the the parent during quarantine and like it changed my life. Like that was crazy. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. when they have the opportunity to be in that role, they seem to change their tune a little bit. But anyhow. Well, this is great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on and we will chat soon. Love that. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. (laughs) Ha ha ha.